Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. I'm Anton Bushner, and today I'm sitting down with Renee Amore, General Manager, Marketing and Communication at BPay Group. Hi, Anton. How are you? Glad to be here. I'm also here with Lucy Lithgow, General Manager of People and Culture, also at BPay Group. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, Anton. It's great to to see you again. Great to see you. We caught up uh, a couple of years ago now, I think back in 2018. Yes. Or so. We were looking at helping you on the transformation of where you'd got to, where BPay Group had got to, and, and helping some of the change in your capability. So it's great to be back to almost three years after. A few things have happened. Little pandemic thrown in. Lots of changes, I guess, in payment systems and platforms, and you've launched new products. So I'm really excited to hear uh, and get under the skin of what BPay Group is doing, and would love to hear your point of view from people and culture and some of the work you're doing there, Lucy, and, and the marketing impact, Renee, as well. How's that sound to have a bit of a chat today? It sounds great, and um, thanks again for having us. So um, we're both delighted to, to be here to talk to you about all the wonderful things that, that we've been working on. Excellent. Let's jump in. I must admit, when I first came into the BPay building, I had in the back of my head a bit dusty, a bit dowdy, a payment. I think I've just paid bills with BPay. I hadn't thought too much about it. But I was pleasantly, absolutely pleasantly surprised walking into, and I'll say Google-esque for fear of saying that word, but a very modern workspace um, that really actually blew me away compared to most companies I've walked into. So I'd love to hear a bit of the story of what has happened to BPay and, and what's been changing in the background that maybe our listeners don't know anything about. Well, most people do know us, Anton, first and foremost for our BPay product because it is the most preferred way for Australians to pay their bills. So it's it's very well known. You know, it's a hundred percent brand awareness. It's a very well known, iconic Australian brand over twenty years old. So when I joined the company only four years ago, I was the same as you. I walked in thinking. What am I getting myself into? Mm. Um, Where is this organisation going? But when I met John Banfield, our CEO, and I met with Lucy, who's beside me today, I quickly understood that they were on a transformation journey and I was really excited to be part of that. Um, Since then, we've launched um, the OSCO product, which essentially has supercharged the way payments happen in internet banking between people. Um, So it's now an instant payments product. And we're very quickly becoming known for that brand as well. So while BPay has continued to grow as a product, OSCO has been introduced, we've introduced a range of innovations from artificial intelligence through to machine learning and some other business lines as well. Uh, from a corporate perspective, that meant we needed to introduce a corporate approach to our product set. The transformation shifted from a one product line, monoline mm. type of business into a multi-line business, multi-brand business. So we introduced a brand architecture and a corporate architecture around BPay Group. Um, And so that's what we've been working on from a marketing and communications perspective, but also an organisational perspective for at least the last four years. With that includes the transformation of culture, the transformation of where people work, how they work, Mm. um, our values, our behaviours, and all the things that we can share with you today. I think that sounds easy and listeners will be going, oh, that sounds relatively easy moving from a single line product company to a multi-line product company. But actually, uh, fair to say, most people probably go, 
no, that's very hard, especially when you're talking about culture, uh, people that have been in job roles for maybe 20, 25 years or plus. Yeah. Um, so, Lucy, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear from your perspective. When Renee's talking there about sort of purpose and vision and mission and culture, um, what has happened from your perspective? Because I remember walking in and seeing some values on the walls, but I also really the interactions with people, they were living and breathing those values, which was really, uh, for me, quite surprising. Yes, well, I mean, uh, you ask, what have we done? We've done so much. And this is um, a transformation that has occurred over a number of years. So it didn't just happen overnight. Um, The the reason why our values um, seem to be lived by everyone and we we live and breathe them is um, because they aren't just pictures on a wall, like you said. Mm. Um, You know, at the time, we were really keen to make sure that everyone had an opportunity to actually help us co-design them. And so as a consequence, we truly believe that, you know, they now resonate resonate with most people. We also got um, a lot of our people involved with the shaping of our behaviours. So they're just as important as our values um, because the behaviours are what underpin each value and actually bring them to life. So people are clear on what our expectations are of each other and ourselves. I think that's really important because we've seen... Uh, as Trinity P3, lots of companies with values. And quite often they're sort of put on the wall or stuck in a document or bottom of an email signature or something. Yes. Um, And actually it's the behaviour. That's right. So how does that show up, do you think, or what's changed from from behavioural perspective, I guess from the leadership team all the way down through the line? Well, key um, to to having any values or behaviours in place is you've got to hold people accountable for them. But you've also got to make sure that they're clear on what you know, what is expected. And so one of the the things that I really love about um, the work we did with our values was that um, we created these wonderful visuals and art pieces Mm. around the office, but we also gave each value a really simple tagline. Previously, we had, um, had our values on the wall and this long description of what they meant. And more often than not, I mean, we had to issue booklets so people mm. could actually look back and, you know, and see what each value meant. Whereas at the moment we've got, um, you know, like I said, these wonderful murals on the wall and these wonderful, wonderful um, short, funky taglines. So, for example, um, better together. It's simply like bacon and eggs, gin tonic and lime, we're better together. It's really clear people understand it and they're able to talk about it with each other. And so that's been really important in actually um, bringing them to life and and getting that understanding out into the business. Mm. So each of our values has one of those taglines. So for our values to truly be embedded and representative of how we do things, we've done a significant amount of work to actually incorporate them into um, our recognition and performance management programs and to truly hold people accountable for them because otherwise they're useless. So our people get to recognise and reward each other when they display our values through shout outs, which are electronic thank yous, and also accolades, which um, recognise above and beyond effort and come with a monetary award. One of the things that I'm really proud of is that previously we used to um, restrict accolades to leaders. You know, so they were the only ones who could dish out or recognise people for, you know, above and beyond behaviours or or, um, effort. Now everyone in the organisation is able to actually recognise a peer and give them a monetary reward. Um, And, you know, that feeds into um, our culture of trust and empowering people. Um, We trust that they will do the right thing by the budget, but also recognising the qualities that we want to see in our people as well. 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I think it's moved, what I'm hearing there is from the hierarchical, you know, the old yes. top-down uh, lead, leaders can dictate the direction of a company and leaders dictate the team. Um, we hear a lot in business today of, of how to get teams working better together, agile. I've thrown that in fairly early in the discussion, sorry. But how do we get people working better together, bringing your value to life? So I love hearing that, that you've, I guess, empowered all through the line to hold people to account because that's ultimately what it is. How do your teams work better together, yes. sort of strip hierarchy away, I guess, and build a culture, which is sort of a bit of a dirty word in business, the culture, but the values and behaviours that are brought to life every day when someone walks into the office or jumps on a Zoom or is calling in from home these days. Yes. And look, one of the things that um, was really important for us is embedding it in our performance management um, program as well. So we take our behaviours so seriously that they represent 50% of someone's overall performance outcome at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, how people behave and interact with others is just as important for us as what they achieve or deliver. Um, that's why we have such a positive and inclusive workplace culture. I noticed you picked up a couple of awards, so you must be doing something absolutely right, Lucy. I've seen you've won a couple of years in a row. You've won the Aon Hewitt Best Employer. Yes, um, that's right. <laughs> which I guess is building the culture that's driving your transformation, so that's a huge, yes. huge tick. And you've also been the Employer of Choice, I think, in the Australian Business Awards in the top five place, uh, best places to work. I know. It's been, it's been an amazing couple of uh, years and uh, looking back, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so proud of what we've achieved um, and it's wonderful to get recognition not only from our people through our engagement surveys but also externally from the likes of Aon, the Australian Business Awards and, of course, great places to work. Um, you know, I'm extremely proud of what we've been able to achieve and accolades aside, uh, I actually get the most satisfaction and sense of accomplishment from knowing that we've actually created a really positive and inclusive high-performing culture mm. and a, at a place where people really enjoy to come to work. So that's, you know, that means yeah, everything to a, me. Yeah. yeah. And do people, they obviously buy in. I mean, to win these awards, you've got you've got a lot of people throughout the business and I think you're, what, 100 and... Oh, 120 to 20 people? 30, yeah, thereabouts. <laughs> nice business and not easy to manage, you know, 120 especially now off-site and on-site. Um, but tell us a bit about how did people really end up buying into it? I, I guess I understand the structures you talked about and, and what you've done. What do you think on a day-to-day level made people buy in and say, yes, I want to be part of this? Well, group? I think importantly when you're you know, when you we, when we started out with the engagement surveys, people, you know, we want people to be honest, um, but you need to demonstrate that you're actually listening and that you're acting on the feedback. So back in the day, we had very mediocre engagement results, um, but we were really committed to actually listening and, and putting in place um, things that would address their concerns. And likewise, you know, obviously we wanted to revamp the culture and, you know, um, make it more dynamic and exciting and innovative and, and an attractive proposition for people. So it's, it's, um, it's that balance of asking the question, mm. being open to the feedback and actually acting on it. And, and then eventually people actually see the change. And um, I think that's how they bought into it. They actually recognise that we have shifted quite significantly and that we are really quite different to a lot of organisations out there, particularly because of the way we, we treat each other. Yeah, yeah. I hear um, from people often it's because we're quite genuine throughout the leadership and throughout the hierarchy and it's off, it's often fed back to me that it's just so transparent uh, that there's an honest circle of conversation and communication mm. that means whatever we are saying, whatever we are suggesting people try for the first time, they're open to it. 
because there's a genuine good intent behind that. Almost sounds like you're not the typical, I'll say financial services, but you're in the payments. I mean, what industry would you say you're in? You're in payments? Yeah. I'd uh, say we're sector in, we're in yes. payments, but I'd argue we're probably more in the relationship business. In many ways, we have a very solid technology arm, but it's built on making sure we're meeting the needs of our partners. We very much see the people we work with in the industry as partners, and that comes directly from one of those values, which is better together, which is not just about an internal collaborative approach, it's an external, and it's built on a truth of how we behave with the industry. Mm. I like all your values. You talk about minds wide open. You talk about always step forward talk about think customer and of course as you said better together um they are lovely words and yeah. i can see why people buy into them uh, quite easily values aside you need to have great clarity in where you're going as a business so the purpose the vision the mission seems to be articulated really well i'm looking at the purpose here as making life simpler now and in the future can you talk renee a bit about that what does sure that mean can. to you to guide the business direction yeah, when we were forming the BPAY group as an organisation, not just a reference to our product set, it's, it's a group of people that come together to, you know, do really good things. We, again, built on our values, which had already been created, to bring all employees together to help define the purpose, vision and mission for the organisation. And we embarked on almost a three-month piece of work to define that together. We looked back to our heritage and where we had come from over years, multiple years and multiple brands that no longer exist even, Mm. to look also forward into our business strategy and what we wanted to be. And eventually we realised that our place in the ecosystem, which sits squarely within financial services, but we're not a bank, Mm. we're not a a financial institution, but we definitely have financial services as a remit. Um, And we had this fantastic um, collaborative approach within that ecosystem. We knew our products have a direct impact and lasting impact on consumers in Australia. We're not necessarily driving after the dollar. We're not here to necessarily drive pure cash and revenue at all costs. We're here to really make a difference to people. And that's really where making life simpler came from now and in the future. It's making life simpler to each other within the organisation, to our customers, within that B2B uh, framing, but also then the B2B2C model that we operate, Mm. which is where we distribute our products through banks. And then also B2C as we think about how we communicate to the end consumer and users of our products. I think that's interesting to get your head around because as a consumer, of course, I use BPay, as I said. I loved it when OSCO came out because I could just transfer instantly to people. Um, And that idea was, I think, in consumers' heads. Um, but what we probably don't realise is the amount of work done behind the scenes in the B2B space. It's you're very- really enabling or getting the banks all on board and to get a new product in like OSCO and others, that's a hell of a job to manage through the banking system. Yeah, so most people know the products. Most people know BPay, OSCO and some of the other new products that are evolving. But what most people don't know is the fundamental of the business is actually BPay Scheme. We're a membership-based organisation of over 150 financial institutions in Australia. And our role is to make sure that each one of those institutions offers the best possible version of our product with the opportunity to build on top of it for competitive advantage. So our job is to make sure they're abiding by essentially the rules Mm -hmm. and we work collaboratively with them to define those rules and how the product should evolve. And then we use what we're doing with that scheme to build our brands on top of that, which we take ownership over to communicate to consumers and businesses who then 
offer our products and use the products. Uh, so this scheme underneath is where a lot of the collaboration happens, where a lot of our customers truly sit. They're actually the people within financial services institutions who are building digital banking platforms or who are building the next big thing, uh, like Beamit is a product that's launched that now offers BPay through our APIs. And so we're tapping into all of those financial services institutions and fintechs in order to distribute our products. And that's the core of the business. So you've got a high relationship marketing uh, yes. B2B side, obviously, to your marketing. Yes. Can you talk a bit about that from the people listening going, okay, what does BPay do from marketing's perspective when you just talked about the relationship and the B2B relationship? Yeah. We, off, we obviously have a business development relationship managed focused and within that we offer, which is quite unique in my experience in B2B markets, we offer tailored marketing opportunities and plans with each of those customers, whether a financial institution or a business that offer BPay. And whoever puts up their hand and says, we would like to work with you, we work with them, you would never know half the time that our team's done the work behind the scenes. Mm. And it's it's a, it's very labour intensive, but it's much more effective than spending a lot of money on advertising because if a business tells their customers BPay's right for you, so much stronger than them seeing a BPay ad on TV. And so we obviously complement both because we can't dictate to people that they should be talking to their customers about our products and we balance the, the relationship tailored joint activity that we, we focus quite heavily on um, through relationships and building strong relationships with just stock standard mass uh, marketing. Okay. Can you give one example maybe bringing that to life? What, what does a relationship managed marketing activity look like? Really good. I'm using marketing as a broader sense. Yeah. But I guess comms is only one angle to that as we all know. Yep. Let me give you a good example would be um, what we've recently done with Westpac. So Westpac have implemented some of our BPay product APIs in a way that enables them to very quickly onboard small businesses into their small business platform and use BPay as a um, selling tool. It's, a, it's part of the program. Often small business might find it difficult to choose which payment methods to option. So Westpac found an opportunity. They launched a biz invoice product and we worked with them very carefully to align the brands of BPay and Westpac to sell their product to small business customers. It's gone great guns. Mm. The most effective just, you know, in any type of marketing campaign, there's that test and learn around creative elements, particularly in digital environments. The most effective creative they're seeing often is this combined BPay Westpac joint branding because of the trust that comes with the BPay brand. Yeah. Well, and the and the pure value that that product offers a business, as well as combining that with Westpac, and it's made it a really simple solution for them. And so that took a number of months working with Westpac directly, and not only from a marketing sense, but from a product sense to help them build the product that would be the simplest opportunity for their customers to onboard. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, it's just one of many examples. We often do 50, 60 of those things a year, if not wow. more. I don't think anyone's got any idea out there what's, the, what's no, happening behind the scenes. No, and, you know, it's 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 a genuine going to make a difference, going to make life simpler for those small businesses, mm. so why wouldn't we do it? It's going to be really effective and make um, a big difference to the companies involved, never mind small businesses. So it sounds like, like we talked about a moment ago, the purpose that's very clear, the mission and vision are out there, and that's guiding all your product development activity, all the marketing relationship activity seems to be very squarely in that in that same direction, so it's all very aligned. Yes, 
And it's not something you often see. I've worked in many organisations, bigger and smaller, where you have a purpose and it's almost a token. Yes. This, because it's been developed, our purpose has been developed with everybody and looking at the heritage to the future, it's almost a no-brainer that it helps guide what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. But you're right, a lot of companies have the purpose there, but it's mm. it's uh, the business going in another direction or yep. the silos within a business yep. competing for each other and going in slightly different directions, mm. which are dragging companies off the purpose. Um, that's great to hear. This little thing called COVID that hit, a little pandemic. Um, I know lots of listeners are probably sick of hearing the words, um, but I'd love to know, maybe the listeners would love to know, what was the impact, um, obviously for the workers and staff, Lucy, and maybe from the marketing, Renee, after that. Uh, but Lucy, yeah, how did that impact you from employee perspectives? Well, uh, well, obviously, uh, we shut up shop and everyone uh, went home and started work, working remotely from home. And um, because of the technology we have in place, that transition was re- relatively seamless. Um, and because we've always had a people first approach to many of, um, you know, internal policies and practices, um, people were foremost um, a front of mind and um, and that didn't change and and the emphasis on their health safety and well-being um, was uh, pronounced especially mm. at the leadership team we were really concerned and we we asked leaders to make sure that they were building those connections with their teams that they you know every individual wasn't feeling isolated that they had a purpose um, and that they they knew what where they could add value and contribute on a day-to-day basis particularly as you know we're all at home and not necessarily bumping into each other and, um, and looking after each other and did you have to lose many people because I know in retail businesses obviously no. that was a huge impact but yeah. I'm assuming we no, yeah. have to yeah. lose. We reprioritise. Thankfully. It might be yes. touching on that. We intentionally reprioritised to ensure we wouldn't, we, we planned ahead mm-hmm. for yeah. what we called the pandemic budget. Yes. But um, we certainly didn't have to let go of anybody. Um, and what, what we did, though, is we um, sort of slowed down any recruitment and, and really made sure that it was necessary or business critical um, to, to bring in new people. That We didn't have a recruitment freeze by any means, but mm. we, we were just more purposeful in, um, you know, thinking about, you know, what roles we really needed in the business when and if they did um, become vacant. And did anything have to dramatically change or it sounds like Locationally, it changed. That's okay, but yeah. the wheels kept yeah. moving. The, the people knew their roles. Did anything yeah. drastically change? Certainly, and this is where Renee could probably add a lot more value. But we really upped the comms, the communications, the um, the daily connections. Uh, you know, as a leadership team, we met every morning um, over Zoom, we did, like a check in. Mm-hmm. I did the same for my team. We had a you know eight thirty nine o'clock check in every day. Over time, that changed from the Zoom call to you know maybe a walk and talk over the phone, um, whatever. So we empowered our, our team members to actually establish what we call rituals, um, mm-hmm. that worked for them so they could maintain that connection. And then also um, we uh, had, was it t- twice weekly or staff briefings? Um, so half an hour on Zoom, everyone together, um, so that we could provide them with updates on what was happening and, you know, what our priorities were. I think in addition, what we, you know, from a traditional uh, communication sense, we we reached out much more frequently to say, is this working for you? Would you like more? Would you like less? We ha- we used the poll functionality in Zoom to continually ask people how they were feeling so we could get a pulse check on mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a pulse check because we're far from um, mental health experts, yes. but just to get a sense of where we might need to focus next. As a direct result of that, we, we realised pretty quickly on not everybody had set up a home office. Some people were in one-bedroom units without a, a desk and so we 
did give everybody an allowance to set up a home office which was very well received. We did set up regular communication. So those people who needed black and white habits knew that they needed to get onto the phone at that time. We made a rule very quickly that all cameras should be on because we wanted to see people. And and that was a little bit of probably the greatest hesitation people had was this sense of seeing myself on camera. Now, you know, we're all used to it. it. Uh, but, but a real yeah, human it was. connection, trying to maintain and it. Really and it was, it was to get people in the habit of getting dressed in the morning. I know when I yes. went home, mm. I had a five-year-old in kindergarten learning to read. My husband was working more often and we were busier than ever. And so what was fabulous and what I hear back even today from our people, I'm even getting goosebumps saying it, is people feel like they heard from the leadership team what was really happening in their homes and they felt like they were invited into the home. And so when I was saying, I'm really busy, and then my little girl Indigo was running around the back and she was showing everybody the letter K that she'd learnt that day, people felt much more connected to the leadership team and they realised it was transparent and genuine and what we were sharing was true. And I think... That was almost by default. We didn't plan, let's invite everybody into our home. But as a direct result, people feel much more connected to the leadership of the organisation as a result. So there was a positive upside in my view. Yeah, Yeah, so it's really humanised the leadership team, even though I think the way you're describing it is the leaders are pretty open and and your culture has been really set from John down. Yeah. Well, John was the first person talking about his boys, his twin boys who are in high school, what it was like suddenly to have these boys upstairs knocking about while he was trying to do a video call. Yeah. So, you know, everybody felt it's okay if things aren't working perfectly. We're yeah, all yes. in it together and, and it really did gel the whole organisation. So a real rally together, which sounds, really did. sounds like a fantastic opportunity. It, yeah, it's funny thinking back. Yes. <laughs> like it, it really felt like that. And we still feel it now. It's just different because things become so much more normalised. Mm. But the, at the time, you know, it was a challenge to get on the camera and brush my hair in the morning. Yeah. I was lucky if I had to go out of pyjamas yeah. by 9 o'clock. I was the same, <laughs> carrying kids off to kindy and school and then doing homeschooling, and, yep. and, as, I, as you know. Um, what about from a marketing perspective? Did you, you know did what? change much, Renee? We were, as you know, because you worked with us on restructuring the marketing department to suit this business strategy of transformation. And the team, as a direct result, were empowered. We have these values, we have these behaviours, and I've never seen them as embedded in any other organisation. Yeah. So I have a fabulous team. And the very first thing we did, I mean, we were about to launch an exhibition, a face-to-face exhibition mm. in Sydney to show off some artworks we'd taken of farmers suffering from the drought to raise money for them. And it started to become very clear that not everybody would be safe or want to be in that environment. It was just before lockdown and the team said, oh, we're not really sure what's going on here, what should we do? And proactively, they were empowered. They whipped up a customer matrix and said, should things get worse with COVID, what will happen across this really complex set of customers? We've got banks, we've got businesses, we've got consumers, we've got employees. We're all in this together. What will need to change and let's prioritise both the pivots, what's got to continue, what's got to be new. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing, of course, was to shift this exhibition to an online exhibition and it went really well, ended up better than ever because it had greater reach. But where we had a level of comfort and a level of surety almost instantly because we could talk to our customers straight away and say, this is how it's impacting us and you. In our case, our products are perfect for you. People won't have to touch dirty money. People won't have to go into a bank to do something. You can do it all online with our products. Let us give you all the material you need to give your customers surety. And we did that within a couple of days. Mm. 
So it was all very empowered and driven out of these values and behaviours we've already talked about. Think customer, minds what open, you know, this innovation mindset that's been um, almost engendered as a result within the team meant they could see the sort of problems, come up with some really out-of-the-box solutions and just make it really simple to execute. Well, and it was there, fast. Fast. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing there, exhibition, art exhibition, yeah. bill payments. Oh. Where would that come from? <laughs> so we had ahead of then, we, I have a personal belief that if you can do good, you should. And with BPay, it's a beautiful product. It's, it's easy to use. It's got this anonymity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yes. And, you know, and your money's safe. You know your money's going to get there. So with the drought that had previously, it seems so long ago now with the floods, mm. but with the drought, Farmers were really struggling and we knew that they needed some more help and BPay is a way to get money to those farmers through charities. And so we worked directly with Rural Aid to come up with a, a joint opportunity where we would promote BPay with them as a biller because it was still this joint marketing activity yes. and it was doing all the right things by our business while doing good at the same time. And as a direct result, we'd built some relationships with the farmers and we had this beautiful photography and the mm-hmm. exhibition was to sell the photography to raise even more money. Right. Yeah, and of course it moved online and it was a hit. As you say, great team came up with a great idea. And maybe a bigger impact. Yeah, we rethought. What's coming down the line? Is there anything you can share with our listeners as to what's the next innovation? I know the BPay Group has some other companies involved. Yeah. We are still on an innovation journey. We have a range of things in the pipeline. A bunch of them are really confidential, but should they come off, they are outside of payments, but they will be... Uh, the next systemic innovation that will help people and will make life simpler for them. One of those things is related to digital identity, which is part of our business strategy. That's publicly known. We can share that we are working on a solution there. We are working on a solution around invoice fraud and reducing the amount of people who and businesses who could be taken advantage of with invoice fraud squarely sits within our kind of sweet spot of payments and and bill paying. Uh, We definitely are growing BPay and OSCO as well. So there is already a whole suite of BPay innovations behind the scenes. We've launched a developer portal recently for fintechs in particular to tap into APIs for the BPay product. And eventually it's shifting and modernising that product from being batch to providing an option that's mm. that's not batch. Um, that's techie stuff about the limit of my knowledge, but generally it means BPay is getting better, faster, quicker, yeah. um, you know, soon. And you've got businesses within the group that are looking at AI and that whole direction. We've got SIFT. Yeah, SIFT is a very interesting business line. We keep it as a subsidiary of BPay Group, but we we look after things with them. So, for example, my team will help them with media relations and, and we're a resource to tap into. I know Lucy's team helps them with culture and values because they're a small, almost still a startup. They look at unlocking the data in forms. And so they use artificial intelligence and machine learning to pull data out of what might otherwise sit on a PDF or, or even a, a paper document that then gets scanned in so that businesses can create greater insights from that data. And the, the rate at which they're running on accuracy is well beyond anything in the market. They've got a lot of opportunity in the States. So it's actually a global business line that's continuing to just thrive. Making life simpler. I keep going back 100%. to it. It sounds so aligned, doesn't it? Yep, 100%. What does success look like? Where are you going? Uh, if I the blowtorch on you as marketers and Lucy, the, the culture, do you have an end game in mind or do you have a mountain you're climbing 
I think it's really to bring to life that purpose. It's definitely a destination, not a um, a, a point in time. Yeah. And any vision, purpose, mission, it's always something to strive towards. And so the closer we get to that is success. The closer we get to a fully empowered, engaged workforce, we're pretty close, you know. We've got outstanding engagement results, but there's always something to improve. And I think, you know, if we keep going the way we're going, success could, you know, be something we don't even expect yet. Yeah, and I might just add um, to that um, engagement's obviously key, but, um, you know, culture is something that is continually having to evolve. Um, and as we've known with COVID, uh, you know, change can happen overnight and, and we have to be adaptive and resilient enough to um, deal with that change. And, and I suppose the focus uh, for us now is actually making sure that we, we maintain, you know, the wonderful elements um, of our culture, but grow um, or strengthen those aspects which will enable us to actually adapt to the change and the pace of change that is coming. And one of those is um, making sure that we equip our leaders to actually, you know, be effective leaders in a hybrid working model. Mm. Uh, it's it's more challenging than, um, you know, leading with people around you. Um, and, you know, so, so certainly that's a focus for me and also making sure that uh, people feel as productive and motivated to do their best work because ultimately it's the people within an organisation uh, that turns, you know, businesses into successes. Obviously products are important, but you mm. need the people behind those products and services as well. That's a huge change. I mean, getting leaders thinking like that. Mm. Are you using corporate psychologists or are you bringing in <laughs> no. frameworks? Or <laughs> your job sounds idea. like 24-7. No, look, uh, we do a lot ourselves. Uh, we, we use the research that's available to us externally, tap into networks, and um, it's about listening to our people as well, you know, and, and we shape up what's going to work for us. Um, obviously, we will engage external help when we need it, um, but a lot of what we have achieved, we've done ourselves, which, you know, it's is amazing. a testament to, to the people within our business. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I've been fascinated, as I said, Right up front from uh, the moment I walked through the door, Renee, as you said, as you walked into the door of BPAY and the BPAY group, um, what a transformation. So really appreciate you sharing some of the, the work you've been doing. I think for our listeners to hear on a name, BPAY or Roscoe, there's so much behind it is, is really fascinating. And Lucy, you're right, the pace of change, things that are coming at you, sounds really exciting from an innovation perspective. Yes, it is, and uh, challenging at that. <laughs> well, you're, but, the, you're, uh, the, you're the ladies for the job. It sounds like yeah. you've got really too strong. Uh, but we're up for a challenge. Involved. Yes, we're certainly up for a challenge, and um, yeah, bring it on. Thanks. Teamwork will get us there, I think. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy, for your time, Renee. Thank Great you. To catch up again. Yes, you too. Thanks. Oh, just just before I run out of time, I've got one last question. When can I start paying my Bitcoin? Mm-hmm.